Welcome. This is the third in our series entitled Living a Life of Total Forgiveness. And of course, that is not easy. And as I said last week, it's important to go over what we discuss because it because it is difficult to give up resentment, at least for some of us. And it's necessary to hear over and over how to do that, why we should do that. Because if we don't want to do it, we'll never do it. And I, I likened resentment to a bolt, which is tight. And sometimes we hold on to resentment. And like that tight bolt, it's difficult to loosen. So my hope is that through these classes, gradually that resentment will loosen and it will come to a point where you'll be able to unscrew the bolt and take it off and let that resentment fall away from you. Now, we have been discussing forgiveness as the definition we've given, giving up all hope for a better past. Giving up all hope for a better past. And what does that mean? That means that when we're hurt or we take offense, that affects us presently. We, we live with that experience. And it affects how we act. It affects what we do. Oftentimes, you know there's a saying... Once burnt, twice shy. So sometimes when we're hurt, then we become a little bit concerned about dealing with that person or dealing with similar situations. And one thing I think is important to address in understanding forgiveness, and I mentioned this at the end of the last session, and I said that ultimately it's not really about you and that person but it's really about you and Krishna. It's about your relationship with Krishna. Because how we deal with other people, as we know, affects our relationship with Krishna. We, we are well aware of the dangers of offending devotees. It's, it's considered uh, a mad elephant, like a mad elephant that can uproot the creeper of bhakti. So we're warned in the, in the scriptures and through many, many stories, serve the Vaishnavas, respect them, glorify them, honor them, don't offend them. And that has a direct bearing on our relationship with Krishna, how we deal with other devotees. So often in dealing with issues of resentment with another individual, it's not necessary in every case to use forgiveness as a means of having a better relationship with that person or even having or continuing a relationship with that person. That may not be, that doesn't, doesn't, it may be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your goal. Because if we look at it in terms of just relating to that person personally, internally, my feelings towards that person. Krishna wants me to forgive them. That's an instruction that is even an instruction not just for Brahmins, but just for human beings. In, in Bhagavatam, Bhishma Dev lists qualities for human beings, and one of the qualities for a human being is not to be angry. So resentment is a form of anger. So 
that in, that in some way is detrimental in establishing our relationship with Krishna and spiritual advancement. So oftentimes, as I mentioned, we think, well, if I forgive somebody, that means that I'm condoning what they've done. Or if I forgive them, it means I have to enter into a relationship with them. It doesn't necessarily mean that. What it means is that you're giving up the envy in your own heart towards that person. It doesn't mean that necessarily you want to be close with that person. You have to be. So I said it's really between you and Krishna because it may not be necessary that you have a close relationship with that person. It's just necessary to give up resentment or anger or envy, criticism towards that person. You may end up better off having no relationship, a neutral relationship, or very remote, removed relationship. So that's important to understand. So it's so ultimately doesn't have to be between you and that person. Ultimately, it's between you and Krishna. This is how Krishna wants you to act. This is how Krishna wants you to behave. And and we we mentioned also that resentment is toxic. And the pro, the process of spiritual advancement or spiritual life of Krishna consciousness is to become purified. So we we obviously don't want to embrace anything which is toxic. The whole process is to remove what's toxic. Cheto dharpanamarjanam, to remove, to purify from the mirror of the consciousness, as we said, the samskars, the impressions within our consciousness. And so, in the material world, Krishna says, Ichadvesha samutena, we're all born in this world with envy to different degrees. Of course, we're we're advancing spiritually, lifetime through lifetime, so we have different degrees of envy or hatred towards Krishna, or envy towards other living entities. And that, that envy is a form, comes in the form of a samskar, or an impression. And there are things which we contact, which act to stimulate those samskars. So certain relationships with certain people, or certain ways people deal with us, or things that they say, can activate that envy more. So the process of Krishna consciousness is to control that. And then through the process of chanting with tolerance to remove those samskaras completely. So Mahaprabhu in explaining in the fourth verse na dhanam na janam na sundarim kavitam va jagadisha kamayi he's giving us this example that first in order to get love of Krishna, first we have to remove the dirty things within our heart so that the love can come in. So so Mahaprabhu, in this verse, he says, Nadanam, I don't want wealth. Nadjanam, I don't want fame, followers, Nusundarim, or beautiful women. Or, if you're a woman, that would mean beautiful men. So, that's half of the verse. In the second half of the verse, he says, what I do, this is what I want. I don't want these things, so what do I want? I want causeless devotional service, life after life. So, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained there is a significance in the way this verse is laid out because the first half of the verse is what I don't want. And the significance of that, Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains, is that the second half of the verse, Mahaprabhu is saying, I want love of Krishna, but you can't have love of Krishna unless you rid your heart of dhanam, the desire for wealth, janam, the desire for 
followers, in other words, name and fame, and sundarim, the desire to enjoy the opposite sex. As you can say material life is really made of these things, and all material activities are based around these things. Accumulation, we say accumulation of wealth, it just means with wealth you can accumulate whatever it's possible that you can afford. So it's just accumulating. Wealth is a form of power. It's a way you can control others as well. It provides uh, comfort. If you're wealthy enough, you can live like a king. It's said now in America, middle-class people live the way kings used to live. So it gives us control. And then, of course, fame. Everyone wants to be recognized, honored, appreciated. And, of course, everyone wants to enjoy the opposite sex. Uh, Many people want to enjoy it beyond what is considered proper and religious. So this forms the basis of material life. So, and it works synergistically. So Mahaprabhu was, is focusing on these three things and saying, you can tie together material consciousness and material contamination around these three basic categories. So I don't want those things. I want to give them up. These are, these are things I no longer want in my life. So why is he saying that? Because that is the first stage we must come to purification, get rid get to get rid of what is toxic or contaminating. So we've been talking about overcoming forgiveness and, and sometimes devotees may ask, well why is it even necessary for my spiritual practice to even overcome it? And and the point I'm making here is that just see it as something toxic that has to be removed before Krishna consciousness, Krishna Prema can fill up our cup, just like we have this example. You have a cup and it's full, so you can't put anything in the cup. So if we look at wealth, women, and followers as what is filling our cup, we have to pour it out, and then by the mercy of Guru and Krishna, we can pour in love of Krishna. So in this verse, Nadanam Najanam the Sundarim Kavitamba Jagadisha Kamai. So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu addresses Krishna as Jagadish, the controller or the Lord of the Jagat, the universe. Isha means controller. Jagadish. Jaya Jagadisha Hare, Jaya Jagadisha Hare. The Jagadish, the Lord of the universe. So, what's the significance of Jagadish? Well, it goes along with na Danam Janam Sundarim because Mahaprabhu is saying, O Jagadish, O Lord of this world, I no longer want the things of this world. So, you're the Lord of this world. And Jagadish, in this context, or how Mahaprabhu is addressing the Lord as Jagadish, He's referring to the Lord as the Lord of this universe, the material universe, jagat, this jagat, this world. So he's saying, I don't want anything of this world anymore. So we sometimes in our Krishna consciousness, we look at things of this world, particularly these things, wealth, women, and money. Uh, uh, not Excuse me, wealth, followers, and women. And what I would like to help you realize is, Put other things in, such as envy, such as resentment. Put that in the mix and say, Oh my Lord, I don't want wealth. 
don't want women. I don't want followers. I don't want envy. I don't want resentment. I don't want anger. I don't want all these things. It's not just those three, but anything we have to say, we don't want it. Because if we don't say we don't want it, it's extremely difficult to give up something. Unless you realize you really don't want it. Or you, or you realize it's causing you more unhappiness or distress by holding on to it and giving you very little happiness, if any, then it would be to give it up. You have to look at, well, what's, what's the benefit of holding on to material contamination? Really, you'll see, ultimately, there really isn't any benefit. It may, it may seem like some benefit, but if you stand back and look objectively, you can see, well, what is the value of holding on to resentment? Can I actually punish that person? As I said last week, we're really punishing ourselves. We're not punishing the person. So, Jagadish, Jagadish, Mahaprabhu is saying Jagadish. So Jagadish means this whole Jagat, this whole world. I don't want anything in this world. I'm finished with this world. So that's that's a qualification. You know, a lot of times we just get into like there's so many petty things we get into. You know, we could you know, we have to. It's just just everything that we get into in this world ultimately is pretty petty, even if it doesn't seem it. If we're looking at it from a particular perspective, that I want love of Krishna, so anything I'm doing which is inhibiting in some way my progressive march, march towards love of Krishna, or my progressive march in Krishna consciousness, is really petty. It's not really important. So if we can see things like resentment or how we've been hurt which sometimes seems so significant and so important and so consuming if we could see it as something petty if we could see jagadish this whole world jagadish i don't want anything of this world that's that's the position we're meant to come to of course this fourth verse of sishashtakam is taking us beyond the stage of anartha nivritti where there's narthas means what what is not wanted so here i'm talking about what is not wanted and mahaprabhu is listing what is not wanted so this verse is taking us beyond anartha nivritti because mahaprabhu is saying now i i don't want anything of this world finished so what i want bhavatad bhakti haituki we cannot pray earnestly from the core of our heart for bhavatad bhakti pure devotional service until we come to this other position of i don't want anything of this world i want nothing there's nothing here that i want so so there are many petty things that can keep us attached to this world and one petty thing which does not seem petty is how we've been hurt by others but if we can see it that way and say okay Krishna, for you, if I want to love you, I have to give up these other things. And Mahaprabhu, here he's saying, Bhavatad Bhakti Haituki Tvayu, Mama Janmani Janmani Ishwari, birth after birth. And it's very significant if you see this verse in this context, where he's saying, I don't want things of this world, I just want pure devotional service birth after birth. He, he's not asking Krishna for liberation. Like sometimes when we suffer, say, Krishna, please 
get me out of this mess, get me out of this suffering. Mahaprabhu is, is really saying, this world and its suffering, I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not connected with it. I have no interest in it. But I just want pure devotional service, life after life, which means he's saying, I'm willing to take many, many births, however many is required, but I just want pure devotional service. So you can see this like major shift between this is what I don't want and this is what I want. And the wanting of pure devotional service, life after life, can't be there unless I don't want these other things. I don't want the things of this world. And and I think we could look at resentment as something of this world that we want. As I, I was saying last week, which I think is a significant point, that really if we look at resentment, if we look at what an unforgiving heart is, it's just a heart that's attached to hurting another person because we were hurt by that person of in some way not just allowing that to leave our heart to say goodbye just let me move on and in some way holding on to it some grudge is there and that grudge has some kind of there's some reason we hold on to it something we think we're getting from it although it may be very perverted form of pleasure. There's something that we're holding on to. So if we can see resentment as we see other material attachments, and then we understand that to come to pure bhakti, nadanam, nadjanam, nasundarim, and so many other things have to be given up. The anger, the envy, the hatred, the resentment, the intolerance. All these things, the, the demoniac qualities Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita, the harshness, the looking down on others, there's so many things. We have to give that up. So, see resentment as part of that whole package of, oh Jagadisha, this world, it, you are the Jagadish, Paramatma, you're controlling this world, but I want the world of Bhavatad Bhakti at Haitukitwa. I want that world of pure Bhakti. That's the world I want. Not the world of envy and fighting and quarreling and controlling others and gaining power over others, accumulating more and more and having more and bigger and better things. That's not the world that I want to be part of. Because if we want to be part of that world, we can't be part of the pure devotional world. So that's where Krishna consciousness is aimed. This verse takes us beyond anartha nivritti. I don't want things of this world. Then Baba Bhatt. Then we come to the stage of, at that point, we can come to the stage of taste, actual attraction. So, you know, we all, we all struggle with our attraction to Krishna. Sometimes we have it, sometimes we don't, sometimes very strong, sometimes very weak. Of course, we're all attracted to some degree um, in, in some seedling form, but Rati is full. It's the full manifestation of that attraction. So what this verse and what Rupa Goswami teaches in the Nectar of Devotion explains is that when this contamination is in the heart, it prevents the full attraction, which will then lead into taste. It prevents that from sprouting, from fully sprouting. So it's very, very significant. Why is it significant? Because when we 
get over the anartha nivritti stage when we come to this stage of attraction it, it's kind of like look at it like this like you're going up a hill i used to ride bikes a lot when i was a kid and, and in the corner of my street there was this big hill and the hill was really really fun to ride down it was very very steep and it curved around and we would spend like hours a day just like going up that hill and riding down and we'd also ride our skateboards down and our these other things what they call them flexies they look like um they look like what are those you know in the snow when you lay down what are those anyway you know you just lay in your stomach and you go down to the anyway these are We'd go down, and it was just this big hill, you know. But we had to drive up the hill. That was the hard part. It was a very steep hill. But going down, then it was it was all worth it. Except that one time, we crashed into a light post on our flexi. But other than that, <laughs> um, so so in Arthanivritti, we're going to you know this stage of, of, of practicing devotional service chanting and dealing with anarthas all the unwanted contamination and when we get over this Anarthanivritti stage the stage of rati it's like the top of the hill and then from that point our krishna conscious it just it just there's nothing getting in the way right now if you're not if you're not over the Anarthanivritti stage so there's so many things getting in the way and we can see how often when these things get in the way, we hold on to them like fools that we are, isn't it? <laughs> we, Maya makes us very foolish. And sometimes it's good to like stand back and look at our own foolishness and say, why am I holding on to this contamination? Why am I like so attached to it? Like for me, for example, I was visualizing what resentment looks like for me. And I was thinking, for me, it's something that I was cherishing in my heart, and I was cherishing in my heart because it gave me an excuse for acting in a certain way, or I should say, for not acting in a certain way. It gave me an excuse. You see, as long as I held, up, as long as I had a story, this happened to me. Therefore, this is why I am not doing this and that. So I had my excuse. So I was actually very attached to it. It, it be kind, of, kind of became my story for why, for my modus operandus. So it was like a diamond, you know, something very dear. And then I visualized it's a diamond and it's within my heart. So it's very near and dear to me in my heart. But out of the bottom of the diamond, it's dripping a little bit of poison. Drip, drip, drip this poison. And what is that poison? I'm attached to this resentment and this resentment is a contamination. So it's a diamond because it's very dear to me, but it's dripping poison. And when I had that vision, it was so helpful because then when I looked at the resentment, I could think, Mahatma, you fool, you've got this diamond in your heart that's dripping poison. And as long as it's dripping poison in your heart, you're not going to get to the stage of rati, attraction, which will lead to the development of love of Krishna. You have to get rid of all those things. So why are you holding on to it? Now, oftentimes we don't see it that way. It's just, it just becomes a very emotional reaction. We've been hurt, we react. We're attached, we hold on. Holding on to the anger, the envy, getting back. And, so, and sometimes, you know, we experience 20 years after something happened, 30 years after something happened, we're still pointing the finger, we're still talking about it. It's still there. If we want love of Krishna, 
that has to go. Oh, Jagadisha, this whole Jagat, this world, you've got to just let it behind. Just give up these things. Then we can get love of Krishna. Taste, attraction. Taste and attraction. We, once we come to that position, then we will make rapid spiritual advancement. It's very hard and difficult to come to that position. So I think it's important for us to realize that often when we see contamination, yes, it is due to past some scars, it is due to past conditioning, but it, there is some attachment which we have to hold on to it. We, we don't fully give it up. And I, I was just reading the story, and I, and I told you about this. I think I've told it twice, maybe even three times. It's so instructive. The story about Daksha, how he offended Lord Shiva, and he asked Lord Shiva for forgiveness, and Lord Shiva forgave him. Lord Shiva never really did take offense. And it said that, and, and some of you have asked this of me, and said, well, if we, you know, now we're talking about people offending us, and you've asked, well, how do we deal with people we've offended? And you probably know what the Shastra says, that, that sometimes if the person doesn't take offense, it's possible Krishna may take offense. And in the story of Durvasa offending Ambarish, we learn that, um, that Durvasa went to Vishnu and said, I've offended Durvasa, I've offended Ambarish, and your Sudarshan chakra is following me, so please save me. And Vishnu said, I can't save you. The only person who can save you is Ambarish Maharaj. You must beg forgiveness. So, we are told if we offend someone, we go to that person and we ask for forgiveness. Even if they have not taken offense, we should ask for forgiveness. But beyond that, and this is what Daksha didn't do, we should serve that person. We should not just ask for forgiveness, but do something positive. That's the full rectification of offense. So what happened with Daksha is he asked for forgiveness. And Lord Shiva forgave him, but it it wasn't full. He didn't serve Lord Shiva. And he didn't fully wasn't he wasn't fully repentant. So that stayed within his heart. You know, there was something still there in his heart, and it came out in the next life. So we could say perhaps that he had certain samskars and, and he just couldn't give them up. Certain impressions, certain certain unwillingness to 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 be to fully give up whatever it was. You could call it envy or pride or whatever it was. He couldn't just give it up. And we all know how hard it is to give up. But it's really important to understand what the prize is that we get by giving it up. Sometimes we'll look at material attachment and we'll say, well, I can't give this up. Say, well, what's on the other side of giving it up? If I give it up, what do I get? And, and oftentimes we think, well, I won't get anything. That's why I won't give it up. At least I've got something. You know, here's my weapon. I, I hate this person. Ah, I'm getting something. I'm getting revenge. What if I just drop it? Then, I, then, then there's no revenge. So, but you drop it, and then what do you get? You come to the threshold, Narthanariti, Syat, of dropping your Anarthas, you come to the threshold of Rati, attraction. 
ruchi, taste. And that's what we all hanker for, taste. <laughs> taste. When we have taste in Krishna consciousness, then everything happens easily. A lot of times, if you look at your own life and you look at the problems you have or the questions you ask and how to advance in Krishna consciousness, you could really see that the, the problem lies in a lack of taste. Because where there's taste, it's, it's just taste draws us to the object of our attraction. And when we're drawn to Krishna, then so many things are left in the wake. So many negative things are left in the wake. So that's how we, we can understand when we come to this level of taste. Then it's, it's very, 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 very fast. So, so this verse is important for our meditation. The first half, I'm giving up this world, O Jagadish. And the second half, I'm accepting pure devotional service. I cannot accept or desire or hanker or be qualified to receive the mercy of Guru and Krishna to get pure bhakti unless I am willing to give up my attachments for the things of this world. And, and I must be willing to see those things as petty. Otherwise, otherwise we come to this point, we say, I just, I've been hurt so badly, I just cannot forgive this person. Which, which is really another way of saying, I'm not willing to forgive. I'm not willing to let go of this attachment. It's understandable that we have that. But it's not something we want to hold on to. It's not healthy for us. It's not healthy physically. It's not healthy emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually. In fact, a very interesting thing happened. Two, three years ago, I went to England to do a seminar in forgiveness. And on the plane, they have radio. So I was listening to some talk show. And the talk show was a man who had just been funded to do a study on the effects of for forgiveness on health. And he said that there's so much potential information about the, the positive effects of forgiveness or the detrimental effects of being unforgiving. So resentment doesn't, it doesn't really, it really hurts us on all levels, not just spiritually, but in every other level. So I just want to stop now and see if you have any questions. So, okay. If you don't have any questions, now is a great time to ask because if you have a lot of questions, we'll just take your questions and we won't go on further. So, yeah. Yeah, Devi, what does it mean to enjoy the opposite sex? Well, it's not just... This is in, in the, the broadest sense. It, it doesn't just mean to actually enjoy with the opposite sex physically to meet this person. It, it goes... That's just kind of the, the result of a certain way of thinking. It goes much further beyond that that if, if you look at the consciousness of a materialistic person and how they perceive this world, you will see that through every one of their senses they're trying to enjoy to the max as much as possible and trying to avoid or run away from anything undesirable as far as possible. So 
But a materialistic person, and this also means us because we are conditioned, so we have this nature to some degree, to one degree or another. Let's say you're driving down the road and you're looking around. And why are you looking around? You're just looking at things which are interesting to look at, or if you're in the country, beautiful to look at, nice pastures, nice cows and this and that. And you might think, well, what's wrong with that? You know there's a story, maybe you've heard that the devotees were at the beach, I believe it was San Francisco, and they were watching a sunset, and they said, oh, Prabhupada, that sunset is beautiful, which sunsets are, they are beautiful. And Prabhupada said, if you are attached to a beautiful sunset, then you will have to come back in this world. Then you might be thinking, but Krishna says, Prabhasmi Sashi Suryayo, I am the light of the sun and the moon. So, what is wrong with appreciating? The only thing wrong with appreciating it is to appreciate it in the mood of the what? The enjoyer, to enjoy it. And then you might say, well, but it's Krishna, and didn't he put it, put it there for our enjoyment? Everything in this world is put for Krishna's enjoyment and we are put here to serve his enjoyment. So how do we view the sun? We view it as exactly as Krishna says. I am the light of the sun and the moon. So you see this beautiful sunset and it reminds you of Krishna. And then you're not trying to enjoy with your eyes, but your your eyes are are extensions of Krishna's senses. You're serving Krishna with your eyes. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing everything in in relation to Krishna. How can you're using your eyes and you're thinking, how how can this be used for Krishna? You see a beautiful home and you think, oh, wouldn't that be a nice temple? Rather than thinking, oh, I'd like to have a home like like that. I could really enjoy in a home like that. You're thinking, this would, if I had a place like this, we could make it a nice temple. We could have programs. Invite. We could invite many people. And so forth. So then you look at all your senses. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he said, when you hear a kirtan in the temple, you should think that kirtan is for Krishna's pleasure. It's not for your pleasure. So everything we see, hear, smell, touch, taste, that we are meant, our senses are meant to be extensions of Krishna's senses. And now you can see in your own life, you can catch yourself and see how you know, how conditioned we are to want to enjoy everything, touch, oh, comfortable chair, comfortable car, feels good, soft cloth, every, every, we're just so conditioned for comfort, nice weather, it's cool, vacation to Florida, the weather's nice here right now, it's about, oh, it was about 80 degrees today, really nice, let's go here and enjoy, go to the beach, nice weather, the water's warming up, it's just, we are, it's just like we're machines of sense enjoyment. So when Mahaprabhu says, I don't want to enjoy the opposite sex, the conditioned soul, as Prabhupada explains, the conditioned soul has a propensity to enjoy. So even a man or woman may be married, still the propensity to enjoy other men or women may be there to one degree or another. So we may see a member of the opposite sex and appreciate their beauty. Oh, that person is very beautiful. And we enjoy their beauty. If we appreciate their beauty, we may think, 
oh, that person is very beautiful. They should be a devotee of Krishna. With their beauty, they would attract more people to Krishna. Instead of thinking, I want to enjoy their beauty by looking at it. We can think how nice it would be that if they were devotees. Or we may think, Krishna has made this person very beautiful. But we don't think of their beauty in terms of our enjoyment of that beauty. We think of the beauty in terms of Krishna's enjoyment of the beauty. So when we say enjoying the opposite sex, there is subtle enjoyment of the opposite sex through appreciation. Uh, this person is very beautiful. And when there is appreciation, there is often a desire to want to connect with that person and fantasize about connecting with that person and enjoying with that person. So in Krishna consciousness, either one is brahmacharya, vanapras, sannyas, and there is no connection with women or no, any thoughts of enjoying with women or any hopes of enjoying with women. Or one is grihasta and has a husband or wife. And therefore, they're in, in a sense in a similar position. There are no thoughts of enjoying with any other man or woman. And there is chastity and devotion to the wife or the husband. So, I am not a moving, ob a moving object of enjoyment of others, of, desire, of the desire to enjoy others. I don't want to enjoy, I'm not trying to enjoy anyone. I'm only trying to serve Krishna and help those persons who potentially I could enjoy, help them enjoy through Krishna consciousness. But I am not the enjoyer. But you find, you find, typically, I would say typically, but off, very, very often, you have these gurus, Indian gurus or monks, Buddhist monks and so forth, and they become, you know, they're, they're not really well, that well known, and some Westerners start coming and they become well known, and all of a sudden they're surrounded by these 20, 30 year old, beautiful, sexy, not well dressed Western women. And for many of them, that is the death knell. They can't deal with it. They just they're off in the in in the midnight hours with those lovely ladies in their private quarters. So a devotee only there was actually a story where this girl was traveling. I guess she was traveling through India. I don't know the details. She met many, many spiritual masters, and she finally met one of the spiritual masters in our movement. And she told him she spoke with him extensively and she said, you're the first spiritual master I've met who didn't try to have sex with me. As Prabhupada would say, these things are going on. So, that's what it means to be a sadhu. You're only thinking of the welfare of the opposite sex. You're not thinking how to enjoy them. How I, how I can enjoy everything. Everything I see. Everything I lay my hands on. Everything I hear. I just want to enjoy everything. Everything I just want to enjoy it all. We take prasadam. We honor Krishna by taking prasadam. We don't eat like animals. This is Krishna's prasadam. It's non-different. That's the idea. So, wealth followers, women, okay. RT says, by chanting Hare Krishna, you won't have to worry about illicit sex with the other person, hopefully. That's real chanting. <laughs> That's... Uh, that's if you're really chanting. The problem is, if we're not really chanting properly, here, I'll give you, I'll go back to this idea, samskar. We were talking about samskar, uh, samskar meaning an impression within the heart. And so if we have an impression in the heart, then there are things in this world that stimulate or connect with that impression. 
like it's called in Sanskrit it's called udipan. Udipan is a stimulus. An example of udipan would be you have a a bowl full of gasoline and you have a match. So the match is a stimulus and then it will cause a fire. So there's certain things will stimulate us. Like for for a sadhu, a beautiful woman will woman will not stimulate sexual desire because he doesn't have that samskara. He's purified his heart of that samskara. Whereas if the samskara, that impression is there, then in another person's heart, then the beautiful woman will be the udipan or the stimulus. But if the impression's not there, then that object doesn't stimulate the heart because there's no connection. So it is said by Mahaprabhu, cheto dharpana marjanam. And really what this means is that differentiated from the process of yoga, which just suppresses desire or helps one tolerate desire or momentarily, temporarily suppress it. Chetadarpana Marjana means the chanting of the holy name actually uproots or purifies the chitta, the consciousness, where those samskars, where those impressions are there. So in yoga, you may have the impression, but you control yourself so you don't act on it. But the holy name actually rids oneself of those samskars, of those mental impressions, and replaces it with Krishna conscious impressions. And that's a big difference between yoga, jnana, karma, and bhakti. Bhakti purifies the chitta, the consciousness, the most subtle aspect, whereas other practices, they help us control, but they don't. They don't purify. So, yes, chanting Hare Krishna, you don't have to worry about illicit sex, if you're actually chanting properly, then you will get the proper effect. But if we're not chanting properly, or if in our life we're doing things which are not proper, then it would take much longer, as Prabhupada said. It would take a long time. It could take lifetimes. And so, one of the most important things that I've realized in my own life as a devotee is that we can chant poorly, for years and make very little progress. Whereas if we chant well, even for a few weeks, we can make tremendous progress. I was just telling, uh, I was this week I was in a place called St. Augustine, which is the closest beach to Alachua, and there's a devotee, an old friend of mine. And we were talking about the power of the Holy Name, and I was telling him one of the things that I've realized in the both in the positive side of chanting and in the negative side, not that there's a negative side of chanting, but the negative side is the poor chanting. So in that sense, the negative is that if you really make an effort to chant well, with bhakti, with focus, with attention, I mean, I mean, really making an effort that this is, and giving it top priority, and you do that, the, the key is that you do that every day, steadily, every day, not sometimes, once in a while, get a few good rounds in every once in a while, chant a few good rounds this year. No. 16 good rounds every day consistently. You do that every day for a few weeks. Tremendous difference in your consciousness. Amazing difference. The opposite end of that is you don't chant well, consistently don't chant well for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it'll have very detrimental effects. And it's that kind of chanting that Prabhupada said, lifetimes of that chanting will be required for it to be effective. And all the Prabhupada is saying is, 
it will take lifetimes to become purified that way. And then it's also significant that when we commit offenses to the holy name, then it takes so much chanting to purify ourselves of the offenses that we've made to the holy name. So that's why we see this dramatic difference in results if you apply yourself seriously and you make excuse me, you make a concerted effort to chant well consistently daily, you will notice tremendous transformation in your Krishna consciousness. Like like I was realizing I sometimes feel like a spiritual schizophrenic. Or why do I say that? Because sometimes if I do this and if I really get into my rounds and chant really, really well for a few weeks consistently I feel extremely liberated and purified and transcendental but the schizophrenia about it is that I know that I'm not I know that I'm very conditioned and I know that if I didn't chant that well I would be dealing with the things of this world that were slapping me and and running into me and running all over me the the things that I'm talking about you know the danam, janam, the, the, the fame, the desire to be recognized and honored and attraction to the things of this world and wanting to accumulate and the envy and the criticism and all these things. that They seem to linger on when I'm not chanting well. And when I do chant well, they seem to just evaporate. They, I don't know where they go. They're not there. And I thought, this is very interesting. The holy name is so powerful. It's like like it makes me like a spiritual schizophrenic like it, it takes me to this very very high platform and if i don't chant well i come to this other platform where i'm just kind of working out my karma and conditioning and dealing with my mortal contamination you know and and, and sometimes you know I'll, I'll look at non-devotees and i'll think you know i'm really not a lot different than they are not at all. I'm very, in, in a way, in one sense, very much like them. But I have the holy name. That, that is mystical, magical, powerful. And that is what what is changing me. So you can have this experience also. It's actually dramatic. I mean, it's a good kind of schizophrenia. But it's just, the schizophrenia part comes when I'm not chanting well. And I come down to this other level and I realize, oh yes, this is who I am. This is what I'm dealing with. Whereas on, on the level that I can get to when I'm chanting well, it's as if material contamination really is not affecting me. It's as if I really don't have problems. It's as, it's as if the anarthas aren't there. Although I know they're there, but the power of the Holy Name is such that I'm not being affected by them. I'm not sometimes even aware of them. So, yes, all these things will come. You won't have to worry about illicit sex if you chant the Holy Name properly. That's what Takahiras taught us. He was chanting properly. So when you chant properly, yes, Maya can come personally to your house and say, I'm here. Let's enjoy. And you'll say, I have to finish my rounds. Sit down. I'll get to you later. You know, we, we, we run after just a little bit of Maya. Imagine Maya herself coming. And so Prabhupada said, yes. The Holy Name is so powerful, even Maya cannot personally comes. One will not fall. So, we have five minutes.
Jai Jagadisha Hare. Oh Jagadish, this is your world. You have this world. I don't want to be part of this world. What a nice meditation, isn't it? I mean, isn't isn't that like like it said? One spiritual advancement is tested at the time of death. So okay, how Krishna conscious are you? Now you have to leave your body. So if one is in the consciousness, oh Jagadish, this is your world. You're maintaining this world. You're the Param Ishwar, the Paramatma. You're in every atom, everyone's heart. You maintain this world. This is your world. But I want the spiritual world, where my Ishtadev, my worshipful Lord is, Hasham Sundar. That's the world I want. So, cultivating that consciousness in this life, and naturally at the end, we'll be in the perfect state of consciousness to leave this world, because now we're leaving this, we're leaving this world behind, now, presently. Krishna, I don't want this world. I don't really, this doesn't have much for me. There's not a lot going on here. Me and a few good movies, maybe, in the last few years, that's about it. Is that worth staying in this world? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, just so, I, you know, whatever you're into, you know, the the, is it worth taking another birth so you can see the Super Bowl or whatever, the next edition of American Idol or Miss America or the Grammys? Or I mean, we are meant to cultivate Jagadish, you know, this whole, what's your world? You can take it, you maintain it. I'm leaving this behind because I want pure devotional service. So we cultivate, cultivate that now. And so naturally, when it's time to leave the body, we're in perfect consciousness because we've had that consciousness. And, you know, Krishna, of course, he's expert. When when the body starts breaking down, you're kind of forced to be in that consciousness because that's what happens. You're leaving the world behind. But we're, we're really, really meant to be developing that now. Jagadisha. So when we, we think of this world, word Jagadish, then we can think, okay, Jagadish, this is your world. With all the nice things of this world, this is your world. I want... The world of my Ishtadev, my worshipful Lord, that is Rajbhumi, Vrindavan. That's the world I want. And I want to go there. So these other things I will leave. I will leave my resentment. I will leave my I will leave my criticism. My being judgmental of individuals, evaluating them according to my standards, comparing. I will leave that here. My hatred, my envy, my jealousy. You know, one time Srila Prabhupada was speaking in Los Angeles and he said, he was talking about envy and jealousy and he said, if you're jealous, you're in the material world. I said, wow. And then he said, if you're not jealous, you're in the spiritual world. Well, that's a pretty, you know, so that's kind of, um, okay, here's the secret. How do I get to the spiritual world? Just don't be jealous. Of course, easier said than done. But, just interesting. As soon as we're envious, as soon as we're jealous, I may be a devotee. I may know so many verses from Shastra. I may know so many stories. I may know so many things. I may chant so many rounds. I may have the best Sika on the block. I may have the biggest, thickest neck beads and best tilak of this side of the Mississippi. But Prabhupada said, if I'm jealous... I'm in the material world. And if I'm not jealous, 
I'm in the spiritual world. It's nice to have these meditations. And, and we see from the teachings of Bhakti Siddhanta that he did not, he, he did not, I should speak more strongly. He was extremely concerned about disciples being critical of one another. He basically condemned it. He never allowed, really allowed it. Even, even there was sometimes justification for the criticism. But he didn't really want to foster it. He was very, very concerned about it. And in the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada writes, he gives a list of all the things a devotee should do. You know, rise early, attend Mangalarti, chant, 16 rounds, follow the regular principles, so many things. And then he says, and do not offend Vaishnava. So he lists all these things that one must do to be Krishna conscious. And then he says, do not offend Vaishnavas. So, wow. It's like saying, we're stacking the boxes on top of one another. Do this, do this, do this. And the offense of the Vaishnava would be, knock the boxes. You know, knock that box on the bottom. Don't knock the box on the bottom. Don't knock the foundation upon which you're building upon all, all the devotional practices that you're placing on this foundation. Don't knock the foundation by offending devotees. So, look at all these things. So, oh, Jagadish, I will leave this world of criticism, judgment, offensive, uh, offending people, resentment, jealousy, all these things. I'll leave, leave this. This is the world that you're controlling and dealing with. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. This is what you're dealing with. I'll leave it and I want to go to Braj, to Vrindavan there. And that's where I want to be, at least within my consciousness, my heart. So that's the price we have to pay to go to Vrindavan. Like Prabhupada said, you can't buy a ticket to Vrindavan. Of course, you can buy a ticket to the physical Vrindavan. But it's not so easy to get to that real Vrindavan. You know, what did I begin by saying? I said, well, we don't want to give up resentment. Why? We're holding on to it. We're attached to it. It feels good. We're getting something from it. Must be getting something from it. Why would you hold on to something if you weren't getting anything from it? But really, really we should... Uh, Bhaktivedanta, <laughs> he said envy. It's like a hot coal. And, you know, we're holding on to it, but it's burning our hand. <laughs> so that's really what's happening. You know, our hearts are burning. You know, we're holding on to it. So it's nice meditations, you know. And then and then we have these meditations and we can pray to Krishna. You know, Krishna, I don't want to be such a fool and hold on to all this. You know, so please help me. We're chanting our rounds and we're we're praying and asking Krishna, please, you know, Krishna, can you help me drop these hot coals that are burning my hands? I know I'm an idiot and I'm holding on to them, but somehow or other, I'm attached to them. So could you just like help me, just like turn them upside down and drop them, like because I'm like holding them. So um, Krishna knows we're foolish. That's part of our qualification for being in the material world. It was our original qualification. And as long as we're foolish, we stay here. So we all have to admit that and face it, face up to it. And, uh, of course, admit that to Krishna and say, Krishna, please help me not become such a fool. Because we can't get out of the world and remain a fool. We can't hold on to the hot coals and think they won't burn our hands. Okay, so thank you. And next week we're going to go a little bit deeper. And now, because we've got some new equipment, 
I think the classes are going to be on here much quicker. We have this is the third one, and the first one is already on. So hopefully, sometimes this this week we may get on the second one. So it's good that you review these things. It will help you a lot. It will help loosen that bolt of resentment. The WD that we can rename this course the Living a Life of Total Forgiveness with WD40. It'll it's loosening that resentment. You know, putting the silicone on the on the resentment in your heart so it can like slip out. So, but it, it takes some time, and these classes will help you do that. So nice that you're all here, April Yadevi, R.T and others, and we will see you next time. Hare Krishna.